At Deland Gibson, we strive to educate our clients and the public on finer aspects of risk. For this podcast, BOR stands for Brothers of Risk. Chip and Ted Gibson will dive into important topics on risk management, personal and commercial insurance, employee benefits, HR consulting, and what's going on at DG. We will try to translate the complicated contract and policy-laden insurance world into pragmatic advice, all while bantering as brothers and partners at Delane Gibson. Hello and welcome back. It's Chip Gibson, the better half of the BOR podcast, here with Kate Amaseger. Uh, we today thought it'd be fun to talk about something near and dear to our hearts, which is Syracuse rowing. Kate and I both attended Syracuse. We both rode, albeit different generations. Uh, so we both had our own experiences coming from the, the rowing world, the coming from college, and entering the real world, which was not that fun. <laughs> so, so, so today we just thought we'd go through um, our experience from rowing history, uh, stuff that happened at Cuse, and just like the lessons we learned. Um, also, for new graduates or recent graduates, what to think about when entering the working world what to expect, and really what to look for, uh, because it's not always what it's cracked up to be. Responsibility kind of sucks at first, but um, if you can find the right position, it makes it all that much easier. So jumping into it, Kate, let's uh, let's talk some cues. Yes, and, um, let's do it. Yeah. So what, like, some, we were going over some of the stuff we want to talk about, and uh, the first bullet that you mentioned was huge adjustment. So go crush a, what was was a huge, just just talk about it. What was a huge adjustment leaving the the, the college world? Yeah. So I do think that especially when you're an athlete, there are routines and, you know, your schedule that is so set for you every single day, whether it be through classes or practice two times a day, there will always be a schedule for you. And it's going to be like that from day one to last day and I think that was my biggest struggle was when I entered the real world which was at a, a little bit of an unconventional time because I was supposed to finish yeah your my senior year. year was COVID yes like shut down yes so that was very strange but even then you kind of just get hit with all of a sudden you're I hate to say expected to make your own schedule because that sounds pretty easy to do but you're not you don't have the same goals and ambitions that you did because all your goals were set on one thing all your goals you are set have a on. Choice. You just yeah. did your yeah. Yeah. So then all of a sudden it ends, and you're kind of like, well, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? So I think the biggest adjustment was trying to know how I should plan my day, how to be productive, how to, you know, I don't know, stay sane when you're starting all these new things that are completely unfamiliar to you. Yeah. So that was probably my biggest adjustment coming out into the real world, whether it be from March on, which was my experience or May, which is most post-grads experience. Looking back, this is terrible to say, but the biggest adjustment I didn't make was my caloric intake. <laughs> oh my gosh, like I was used to crushing, you know, probably, I don't know, thousands and thousands of calories. Yeah. And then I kind of kept the same eating lifestyle while I was sitting behind a desk in finance and that, that didn't work out for my waistline. <laughs> I hate to say I'm, I'm experiencing the same. And you, you want to blame it on, uh, you know, COVID, COVID quarantine weight. You kind of are blaming it on that. But at the same time, you're right. It's like you're burning a thousand calories, if not more, per practice. 
And oh, way, you're, probably way more. You're probably burning yeah. like 8,000 calories a day. It's it's insane. It's, it's, you're it's eating like, a, like I would say the men's team and the women's team were eating the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> people expect girls are eating a little bit less, but oh man, I could... I could eat way more than the boys team. So you're burning all these calories. You're just starving all the time. So it is an adjustment. I have to agree with you. I know. So that, that's a little, uh, that wasn't in the notes, but it's certainly <laughs> a realistic uh, aspect of, of an adjustment. So wanted to also just talk to you, like, I, I, we never, like, typically through COVID, we would have some events. We'd get to know each other at a personal level, uh, but we haven't done any of that. We've been socially distanced and at home. But just, I, I never really got into like what you, what sports you did in high school and then what got you to Q's and, and whatnot. So just, so go, go into that a bit. Yeah. So in high school, I had no idea what sport I would have, you know, chosen in the end. I did, I, I loved sports. I loved um, the idea of playing a sport in college. My sisters both did. And, you know, it was just meant something to me. And so I, I wanted to, but. What, what sports did your sisters do? Both swam. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I didn't know if I wanted to follow the swimming, the swimming route. Uh, you know, back at home, if you kind of said my last name, it's assumed that I'm within the same uh, same sport. But unfortunately, actually fortunately for me, but unfortunately for the legacy of my family name, um, I decided to, you know, do a little bit of water polo in the fall of high school, oh, cool. swimming a little bit in the winter, and then rowing in the spring. So it kind of gave me a lot of different experiences a lot of different sports to figure out what I liked or didn't like and I realized that the water wasn't for me when I just didn't want to get in (laughs) so well you just like two sports that have just ridiculous ratios of competition to training like both sports you're you are spending hours and hours training for minutes or seconds of Mm -hmm. racing Mm -hmm. which uh is mentally hard yeah Really hard. But again, like those are the type of things, though, that I think are the you know, like we, we were joking about some of my notes being I said, I said, it's, the, it's about the path, not the journey. I was like, no, 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 that's not right. <laughs> it's about the path, not the goal, because because ultimately, like that training is what makes you what helps you develop as a person from mm-hmm. like e- even physically, but mentally. And it just teaches you life lessons of, of, of really what hard work takes to be successful long term. So. Uh, we'll get into that a little, a little bit later, but, uh, but but that's cool. So you, you chose rowing mm-hmm. and then got to Q's. And like, how did you find Syracuse? So I had a great high school coach uh, my junior year of high school who, you know, kind of said, hey, rowing, you could be good at rowing if you, I guess, put, put in a little more effort. Like, why don't we try to get you, you know, your erg times down. Let's try to get you connected with some coaches. And, um, you know, at the time, I, I loved it. I was like, let's go. So she was like, hey, why don't you go on all the top 15 um, college rowing websites and fill out all the questionnaires per website. Just fill out a questionnaire. If coaches like you, they'll reach out to you. If not, you know, maybe you can reach out again later, but just try that first. And Syracuse is one of the ones that came back. They were, I think, 14th in the country at that time. So, um, yeah, they got back to me. They were amazing to talk to they were oh, so great recruited by alicia coaches yes oh that's so funny yes so we i she was a couple years older than me but we knew each other like from when she was an undergrad yeah so. oh that's so funny yeah wow world's colliding but um no yeah she was great she was very communicative with me and honestly i just had the best experience with talking with the coaches than any other school that i had talked to and 
you know, not, my erg times weren't crazy to be in the top five by any means, or even maybe top 10, but th there were about four or five schools that came back to me about it. And Syracuse was just, one, without a doubt in my mind, the uh, best at communicating, the nicest coaches I had met, and I just got along with them so well. And I was really lucky they invited me on a recruiting trip. And then the rest is history. That's awesome. Yeah, That's it was awesome. great. Yeah, for me, I, uh, I had a guy that was a year ahead of me go to Cuse. And for some reason, there was just something about it. I was like, I really want to go to Cuse. Um, then it was a really long story. I ended up getting rejected. <laughs> and then the, and the coach called me up. He's like, hey, this is my first year in the recruiting game. I figured get a thicker package next week. I was like, amazing. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's how. So, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, yeah, like the recruiting trip was all just awesome. A new yeah. world, um, and I, I kind of had spent time on the Charles River too much. I didn't want to stay in that area. Not that Harvard was knocking at my door, but like the <laughs> yeah. was there. I'm like, let's just get out of Q. Let's get out of the area and go, and go somewhere else. And uh, so that's 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 really my my short short story of, uh, of getting the cues. Yeah, it's kind of either, like I feel like usually when I hear about um, you know high school grads going into a college athletic field. You either go my route or you go your route where you know someone, you know that they've had a great experience. You yeah. Then you know kind of, oh, I think I would like this school. And it helps you narrow down a little bit as well. So I know some people who kind of did it your way where they just know how great of experiences other people have had at that particular school. And it was just a goal of, of theirs to get in, you know? Yeah. And, and like getting back to the, the, the main reason of why we wanted to set up this podcast, it's like that's one of the major life decisions of, of and when your life's in transition, going from high school to college, and then what we're talking about today is going from from college to to the real world, mm -hmm. and that you know I, I think when you're 18, it's just really hard to know anything about yourself, yeah. let alone <laughs> you know where, where what you want to do, and that Definitely. gets into like even when I was at Cuse, choosing a major, like I didn't even it was it was really bad. I didn't even. I think I was trying to rebel against my high school's philosophy of like being micromanaging and, and like looking back, I exact I needed that, but so I didn't talk to my my guidance counselor at all, and I just like started taking classes, and I was taking like stupid electives my freshman year. Yeah, and me then, too. <laughs> and then realizing that senior year, I needed to oh, you're doing a like a core one hundred and one class of sociology with freshmen. I was like, oh, God, really nice nice way to, to put that together, Chip. Yes, exactly. And then Chip picking my major is just like I had no idea. And I literally picked my major because I couldn't register for classes until I picked my major at going into junior year. Um, so so throughout, throughout like life, it just seems like stuff gets thrown at you. You don't really you, – you, I don't know. Me, maybe people are more prepared than I was, but um, it, it kind of gets thrown at you and there's not en enough thought behind it or the reason – you don't really know the why behind it, mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's kind of how decisions are made at that point. In life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but so what did you do for for your major? So we, you were poli sci. Yes, I was political science. Um, I went in not knowing at all what I wanted to major in, but I had I was lucky. I had sisters that were either done college or in their last year of college, so they just helped me um, sign up for the electives for freshman year. So you know. That was it was really nice because I just had them to kind of be like, all right, you don't know what you're doing, just take all these. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, by the time I figured out what I wanted to do, I was too late. So at the end of sophomore year, you are supposed to declare your major. Yeah. I wanted to do international relations. I wanted to do IR. I thought it was really cool. Um, and this the classes that came with it, it looked really interesting. And that was the first time I thought I was like, 
I could find something that I'm good at. You know, like you're still so young, you, you know, you might be excited about your classes. So I went into the office. They said, well, with your rowing schedule, you won't be able to fit in those oh, classes man. unless you stay past the graduation date. And I said, okay, <laughs> okay, what's the next best <laughs> yeah. thing? Because um, I don't think that's going to be happening. Um, and they said political science. So I ended up political science just because I had a path, but this is kind of the major that had the most overlap with that major that I wanted. So okay. that's where I kind of ended up with poli-sci. <laughs> yeah, this is really bad. This is like, it sounds like a meathead, but I literally w- was the second semester, uh, sophomore year, needing to register for classes, and I go, I have no idea what I want to do. So I looked at my grades, and I was like, oh, I got a B plus here. <laughs> Signing up for poli-sci. Oh, my, my gosh. <laughs> so there was just like very little thought. Looking back, I'm like, my parents must be so proud. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but, but, but yeah, looking back, it, it wasn't as thoughtful and like the fit, like it ended up being a fit. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I took some awesome classes, but, um, but again, it goes towards the decision-making process as a young person is not always uh, the most well thought out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, you know, we, we want to talk about, you know, what we do at Delane Gibson when people are, are leaving uh, kind of somewhat of a nurturing environment of college and coming into the real world, what we what we do a little um, differently. So again, I, I was I was taking getting back into to the rowing uh, analogies. I was on a call with Dave Reichman, who was uh, they're raising money for Qs, and it's like uh, it's good. We we uh, need to uh, donate some more money because other schools get a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but having a conversation with him about COVID, about some of the kids that weren't coming back this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, it's really unfortunate that some kids like just said, said because I can't compete for national championship, I, um, I don't even want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was an interesting comment because Dave was, was like, well, I guess they didn't learn anything. And I'm like, well, thinking about my mind, I'm like, dude, as an 18 year old, think of the, all of the examples we just laid out. When you're when you're eighteen to twenty one, you're not that smart. You know, <laughs> That's true. You, you you might be able to to put it together for DNA in a class, mm-hmm. but you, you don't see the world in, 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 in the way that you do. Like even now, for me, and like probably you're, you're like just out of school, so I'm not. But like it's just the perspective is so different because it it is about all the work you're putting in over the course of the the journey versus just the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that like his line stuck out to me because I totally would have been the 18 year old and I was like yeah why would I even come here and not compete for a national championship mm-hmm. and uh, and then you look back and you're like well it's not about that like it is but it's it's about something more than that as like to grow yeah. as an individual so a funny aspect about that in regards to what he's saying about you know maybe people not coming back for that one year of COVID year because there's no national championship um, it's funny because a lot of the seniors my year went back for their fifth year. Like, I mean, like 90% of them. Oh, wow. And so it's funny that, you know, the younger kids tend to take the gap year or take the, the year off not to row or not to come back to school for that year. But all the seniors wanted, wanted in. They were like, no, 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 don't kick us out yet. So it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like the older you get, the more you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. I want to keep rowing. It's teaching me so much. It's so much. Yeah. It's doing this. It's doing that. Where the younger kids are, the 18-year-olds getting a little bit older, and not to say that we're all that many years apart, but by your senior year, you're, I don't know, you're not really ready to go. You're like, wait, this is over? 
But the, like, I'm done taking another test right now, yeah. but I kind of <laughs> like what we got going here. Yes, yes. But there's certainly unfinished business with just like the season ending. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's, it, so, oh, the great news, though, we heard maybe last week was that the IRA is on. Mm-hmm. So the IRA, Intercollegiate Rowing Association, it's the, for some reason, men's rowing is not NCAA. <laughs> and it's IRA. It just makes things more confusing. But it's regulated by the NCAA. It's just not... The national championship just isn't formally an NCAA uh, event. So um, the IRA is on, though. So that's really, I mean, that would have been a huge, huge, huge bummer yeah. to have all those 50 years go back and then have it be canceled. Absolutely. Again. Absolutely. And again, it's not about the end result, but that's a nice bonus to it, especially. And it's, it's going to be weird, though, because like the Ivies canceled their seasons. So yeah. I don't think they're going to be competing. Eastern Sprints is toast. They, yeah. they didn't do that again this year. Eastern Sprints is a um, kind of the the the, re, the second biggest event of the of the season, I would say, um, mm-hmm. before the national championship. So that's um, another thing that didn't didn't happen. But yeah, but it seems like with no spectators, they'll be they'll be able to kind of get boats on the water. I mean, if you think about it, your pod is your team, your boat, right? Yeah. And they're not really going to be very close to anyone else if you're in a boat in the middle of the water. So I don't know. They they might be able to work. This six feet apart rule very easily. Yeah, who knows? And, and I also heard that the IRA is looking at um, inviting other teams that have never made it to the national championship. Oh, interesting. Which would be, which would be cool. And, uh, and additionally, I, I read somewhere about drones, having a yeah. lot of drones filming uh, the, the, over the boats, which should, which would be interesting. The live good. stream will be immaculate. Yeah, it'll be so hope. fun. Let's hope. <laughs> well, also funny enough, the men's team of Syracuse are racing in Boston in early May. Oh yeah, May first. Yeah, right? May first. Yeah, so. You know, we're going to go make some signs up and go Goose. You know, we can't go to any other race. So at least the Charles is one big open water. I will be there. Um, Because they really got Wisco and Northeastern. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be a fast race. (sighs) Certainly. Hopefully, Goose just dominates that weekend. Um, So wanted to just keep going through our our itinerary here. Um, And... In, in my, my, my note is like talking about entering the real world. So, you know, we've taught, we've kind of given examples of entering the, the next level of real world from high school to college uh, and, and so forth and thinking about within college, like declaring a major. Uh, and then once you're leaving college, what, what was it like for you to find a job? Like what, um, mm-hmm. what were you thinking? Like get, getting back to the, to, the, to the topics of, you know, being, you know, whatever. 22 years old what do you know about yourself what do you is it like is it like choosing a major is it like choosing a college what what's going through your mind to to, to figure out like what's going to make you happy yeah and with especially with everyone in your ear being like follow your passion yeah <laughs> yeah no there's a huge stigma around you know when, you, when you're in college and you're taking these classes and you're trying to get this gpa overall you kind of you know, no matter what the major is you kind of expect that you're going to be using that in your real job um, and I think that that's the biggest thing I've learned is, you know, if you're majoring in political science, it by no means, uh, you know, means you'll be in political science in your working world. And so, yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But luckily, last summer, I had an internship in sales. It was so much fun. I loved it. And the company hired me full time for after graduation. But obviously, I signed this document before COVID hit. So, you know, it was about February of 2020. So at least it didn't hit to the point where we thought anything would be shut down. Um, 
But I was extremely lucky that I was still onboarded and taken in at the exact time that I was planned to. If not actually earlier, I started in April because they said, hey, I heard you're working from home. Do you want to get some extra money in? And I was like, nice. I was like, yes, I'm going to be moving to Boston, rent money, of course. So I actually overlapped work and school for two months. Um, and yeah, I was very lucky. I had a very easy transition, but I had a couple friends that their contracts were canceled. And when I say canceled, it, they were, they said, we can't have you. It's COVID. We don't even know what we're doing. So yeah. I feel very, very fortunate that I was actually able to start working right away. So I had a smooth 100%. transition. Yeah. And so what did, in terms of taking that job and, and in terms of the job giving you energy and the job being a fit for you, like, tell me what you learned there. Yeah. About so yourself. about myself. So <laughs> I guess with sales, I learned and I, you know, told them this before I came to Dylan Gibson is um, I learned about myself that sales is not for me. And, you know, I thought that maybe that would be my passion, you know, quote unquote passion I'd be going into because, you know, there's great opportunities in sales. And I was at a tech startups and it was it was only uphill with this company. They were doing an amazing job. And I was like, you know, this could be like my passion. And then I realized very quickly that my anxieties around performing with rowing <laughs> transitioned from rowing to the sales yeah. aspect. So um, I actually I'm very happy that that's where I went after graduation because I did learn a ton about myself in that you know, half year that I was doing that. And so, um, yeah, so I, I learned that sales wasn't for me and that's how, you know, I, I ended up at Dylan Gibson and I, I love it so far, but, um, you know, there is this idea that you want to find your passion. You're, you're kind of confused when you don't feel this really good feeling about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, am I, am I doing the wrong thing? Have I started wrong? Have I finished, uh, you know, school wrong? Did I apply to the wrong jobs? You know, like, am I just setting myself up for not finding my passion? So you, things started to creep into my mind of like, you know, what was I, what was I thinking? What am I doing? You know, am I, am I crazy? And then, you know, it just means that I didn't find the passion that was for me, maybe someone else's passion, but now I'm here. And so far I've been learning a a lot and I've, I'm interested in it and it's, you know, it's, my anxieties are gone. I feel just good. And so, you know, I'm glad that I did that, that last job to understand that. that. That's awesome. I mean, that's, um, it's a perfect segue for kind of what I want to talk about and what we do here. And because we know that people coming out of college or coming out, like just coming into new opportunities often don't understand what gives them energy. And we, we, people say, follow your passion. We like to just say, what gives you energy? What is your unique ability? What is something that you can do? And, and it just, it gives you energy versus drains you of energy. Mm-hmm. And it's not like sales gives, gave you anxiety. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's going to drain you of energy. So maybe there's something else out there. Um, and so what we, we use a few assessments and one for, for, cause I originally we were talking about sales cause you still had it in your mind. You're like, look, I think what your, your parents are in sales mm-hmm. and, and you're like, I'm going to do sales. Yeah. And like that's, that's totally cool. Like I, I love it. I want people to do sales. I want people to, but you, but it's also like you're coming from a place where you don't know about yourself yet. Mm-hmm. And like you felt that anxiety of rowing and sports your whole life. So you almost felt like it was normal, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh no, maybe that isn't normal, but yeah. But you don't know that. Like it's just it's all about the it's all about the journey through through this process. And so what we do is we do we did two assessments. Mm-hmm. One was the Colby assessment, which is really shows like basically how you're wired. It's how you handle information. It's how you make decisions in terms of what type of risk you want to take. 
Um, it's how you work with your hands. It's I guess kind of the random one. I don't really understand all that much, but <laughs> the, 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 most, the first one, again, it's how much uh, information you take to make a decision, uh, what's your follow through, and, uh, and then basically how much risk you take or how innovative are you with certain decisions. So it's between like one and nine, and there's no right or wrong answer, but it kind of gives you a feel for uh, how you work and how you mm-hmm. operate. Um, the next one's SPQ Gold, and that's more of a sales assessment, and it really um, just feel, it, it, it gets into call reluctance, call reluctance being, you know, how do you feel in certain situations? Are you, would you be, uh, how do you learn with, with sales, et cetera, et cetera? And I remember one of the, the things that, that detailed about you, which made it, which like a thousand percent related to the conversations we had was that um, you, you like to have, you like to completely understand and know what you're selling before you sell it. Yes. Or you don't feel confident in that. And so I feel like a lot of people coming out of college they haven't had experience, mm-hmm. so it's super. It's like it's it's really easy to get a job where that's that's the case because, literally, eighty percent of the jobs out there aren't you don't learn in college. You you learn it on the job. Yeah. So that's a, that's a challenge, and and that's why that makes so that sees us as like okay, we see that as we need to train people differently. We need to you know bring Kate in. We need to have her learn insurance mm-hmm. and and get get a really solid foundation of of the product and of what we're doing. And then ultimately maybe she, 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 you could be in front of clients doing sales or maybe you're account executive doing account executive work uh, or, or whatever, you know, but, but first it all came down to understanding what you're doing. And it mm-hmm. sounds kind of basic, but often many jobs don't do that. I remember yeah. my first job, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just doing a process and I didn't really understand the why behind it. And mm-hmm. it just didn't give it, it was, you know, I, I love people I work with. I had a lot of fun. Um, but it wasn't, it, it didn't become my career because I didn't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, um, you know, something to consider when you're looking at a new job. If you're, if you are a recent grad or someone on, on the market, I, I'd say like looking at a, an assessment to understand about yourself is, is really, really helpful to understand what the best role could be. And honestly, the best partner back here the best um, employers are going to help you through the process and mm-hmm. help you understand it by yourself. Yeah, and I felt that as soon as I started talking with you about this, and you know, yeah, we did have conversations about, all right, well, you're looking, are you looking towards more sales or a little bit less sales? And I can, you know, kind of just told you, hey, listen, this is the type of sales I was doing. It's kind of the smiling and dialing, is what we always called it. Um, yeah, and you know. That, that wasn't for me, but you know, other kinds of sales I told you I'd be open to, and you're like, hey, why don't you take these assessments and we'll see. And I, I learned a lot about myself in those assessments, and I actually appreciated it because I didn't, it, it made sure that I didn't get into a position that I, in my brain I think I'm okay for or ready for, but I, I more so needed what I'm in now. And by taking that assessment, you guys were able to figure that out without me needing to you know, have a moment to myself to, oh, do I really want to do this or that? You know, yeah. you guys were able to kind of tell me like, hey, this is how we think you're wired from what your assessments are. And I was like, oh, actually, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I do feel that way. So I actually appreciate that a lot coming in here to DJ because, you know, it really took off a level of anxiety that I could have had in another position. And yeah. So it, it placed great. me well. That's awesome. And that's why we want to do it. And ultimately, we find that people are more engaged mm-hmm. they're, they're they're like i said they get more energy from their roles 
Because um, the last thing we want is someone that is stressed out in their job. I mean, yes, there's going to be stress from a job. That's just, it's work. It's a four-letter word, right? But mm -hmm. it's uh, as, as, as enjoyable as we can make it is, is what we aim to be. So yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, g getting like the overall point of view is um, before you take a new job, really try to understand how you're wired and if you're going to be a good fit for that role. Mm -hmm. um, good employers will help you through that process, and that's just you know something that we find uh, uh, we find that we do pretty well here at DG. So happy that uh, it worked out, and, and really happy to have you. Yeah, thank you. I, I love it here so far, and although it's been a little bit unconventional with onboarding oh online and being in and out of the office, and you know I I'm starting to get into a good rhythm here, and you know I have a good path to take, and so I feel good. So thank you for right the path it's having right. me. The path, not the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, you'll get there, but. It's, uh, you learn more from, from the path, so that's, that's awesome. Definitely. And to jump in, just one, I want to do kind of a awesome cues reminisce. Um, <laughs> what was your, what was like, well, give me top, top one or two favorite moments of cues of, of like, that might encapsulate the, the craziness slash awesomeness of, uh, of being in Syracuse. Oh man, there are a lot I could name a lot of you know sporting events that were just insane to watch or be at you know i mean there's nothing like being in the dome the carrier dome totally. and you know i was i had mentioned this before that i was in the dome uh when we broke a record on attendance for basketball games and oh, who they play was it duke i think it was duke uh it was definitely an acc school because i think you know the marketing around it was just wild and it got yeah. everyone so excited so had to have been duke because you know, there's a lot of, you know, things we could say about Duke. So, you know, I'm not going to say it on this microphone, but, you know, let's just call it a rival. So, you know, being in the Dome when there were, I think it was 35,000 people was wild because they're only using half the Dome because the yeah, court, it's, it's not the full there. thing where 35,000 people are shoulder to shoulder watching the same game. And that was unreal. And... So I love. I, I love that. There, this is like dating myself horribly. But I was there for the, <laughs> the time they they broke that record. The first, well, it wasn't the first time, but the most recent time before that yeah. was Villanova, I believe, like two thousand twelve or something like that. And a bunch of our buddies went back for the game, and it was it was it was awesome. But like you, you would get seats. The seats that were, that were available were like eighty yards away from the from the from the uh, floor. So it was, it's better to watch it on TV sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was crazy. I would say, and we were talking about this before we started recording, it was um, what, you, what you would think was my most memorable moment. It was actually not even that memorable um, because it was my 20, it wasn't, it wasn't. So <laughs> you might, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony was leading the team with, with Jerry McNamara to a national championship and uh, just so happened I turned 21 on the night that they won the national championship. So the, the stars were aligning. I thought this was going to be the best night of my life. And uh, then Coach Reichman, you know, after practice that, that afternoon, goes, gentlemen, I told you heading into this that there are some sacrifices you are going to have to make as Division One oarsmen, and tonight <laughs> is going to be one of those. We have 5 a.m. practice tomorrow. Yes. So I was like, oh, man. I mean, he knew us. He was saving ourselves from ourselves. And, and, and he knew this, but uh, so that was just like one of those things that, you kind of get at the time, but you resent horribly. But then looking back, you're like, oh, you know what? You were just going to get yourself into trouble. So, um, so, so. Maybe turned out for the better. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I remember going in, and it was so anticlimactic. I remember 
going into Darwin's, which is probably long gone from when, when you were... I hate to say I don't recognize the name. Exactly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so it was a bar I was went through, and I gave him my ID, and he like hardly looked at it and gave it back to him. like, are you going to say happy birthday? Because like, he didn't even read the date. And uh, I walked in, had one beer, and I went home and went to sleep. So that was, that was oh. basically the anticlimactic 21st birthday. <laughs> but, um, but again, it's... Uh, you know, it's all those little lessons you learn throughout the process that, uh, you know, helps life down the line. So definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was fun. It was a great, easy conversation. Um, thank you for having me. And we didn't script once. This is good. This is great. <laughs> We're podcasters. <laughs> awesome.